Welcome to the second week of our series, Relationship Goals, where we are going to be looking at things that will help you to have the type of marriage that God desires for you. One that uh, is life-giving and affirming, that's reflected uh, and and represents mutual sacrifice and care and concern, uh, that is a representation of Christ's love for the church. Now, this morning, we're going to be talking about something that, um, if you can begin to apply, it will make a huge difference in your marriage. So I want to start by sharing a truth that uh, you may or may not believe, but it is a truth. And here it is. Every couple, every married couple fights. I know, it's a shock. Now you say, we don't fight. We're not yellers. Okay. You argue. No, 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 we don't argue. Um, Okay, you have disagreements. You have long discussions, deep discussions about things. Every, I'm I'm just telling you, every couple, I'm using the word fight. You can use whatever word you want that makes you feel better. Every couple fights. And the reason is you have two unique individuals who are coming together to learn to be one in heart, mind, spirit, soul, body. So you've got different backgrounds, different upbringings, different expectations, different personalities, different likes and dislikes. That's going to create tension. Add to that the fact that all of us have this thing in our life called sin nature, where we do things that violate God's holiness and as a result hurts and wounds other people in our lives. And so it's going to lead to arguments, disagreements, fights, whatever term you want to use. And the fact is, that's true of every relationship in all of your life, with friends, with coworkers, with children, with parents, with siblings. Every relationship you have is going to have moments of arguing and tension because of those things. We're, we're different, and we're trying to come together in friendship and relationship, and sometimes arguments are the result. So what I've found is this. When we fight, if we are fighting based on our emotion, if, if we fight based on, on how we are led by our emotions, on, on what we think is right, It leads to relationships being damaged and wounded and hurt. The the relationships begin to break down, and the result of a relationship breaking down is often disconnecting from each other or isolation. So we can fight based on how we're led by our emotion. We can follow our emotion, or we can fight based on how God outlines how to handle disagreements, arguments in our relationships. We can be led by God. And when we follow God instead of following our emotions, it leads to understanding. It leads to resolution. So here's what we're going to learn this morning. That when you fight fair, it leads to understanding, not isolation. Fighting fair, fighting God's way is always meant to bring us together for good to come out. So all of a sudden, yes, there was disagreement. Yes, there was argument. Yes, there was tension. But as a result, I understand her better. I understand him better. And our relationship has grown As a result of that, that is God's heart and desire. And so to look at this, we're going to look at a passage from the book of James. It's a letter written by James. We're just going to look at two two verses. And in those two verses, we're going to find three keys to fighting fair. Because healthy marriages fight for understanding. Unhealthy marriages fight to win. And we have to learn how do we fight God's way, not our way. So here, 
says this in James chapter one, verses 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Let me stop right there. Everyone, when you're in the middle of an argument and you aren't quick to listen, but you're quick to speak and you're quick to get angry, you're one of those everyone's. See, you want to say, if he would just listen, if he would stop getting angry, if he would just close his yapper. The problem is, what about you? See, it's not just he's the everyone, you're the everyone. And it goes both ways. She's not just the everyone. Husbands, you're part of the everyone. Everyone needs to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When we follow our own way, when we fight unfair, it leads to isolation. When we fight the way God prescribes, it leads to understanding, resolution. It leads to reconciliation, and that's what God wants. So these three truths that are in this short little passage that is inspired by the Holy Spirit teach us some amazing things. So here's the first one. Let everyone be quick to listen. So here it is. Here's the first thing. Stop and listen. Stop and listen. Stop and listen. Both of those components are critically important. The first part is stop. Stop forming your response. Stop thinking about what you need to stay, say. Stop thinking about how you can justify what you did. Stop thinking about uh, the point that you can make. Stop thinking about, hey, she said this, he said that, and it's not entirely true. And so I'm gonna fixate on this one little um, sentence, part of the sentence that isn't entirely right and disregard everything else that they said. Stop it. I know people that in a conversation hear part of the sentence that their spouse is saying, that their business partner is saying, that their friend is saying. And they hear that, they latch onto that, and they're forming a response to that. And they're only half listening because they're forming their response. They're not stopping. And so as they're forming their response, the other person goes on and says some things that clarifies what they said at the very beginning. But the person's not listening. They didn't stop. And when, when the other one finishes, they begin to respond and what they were forming in their mind based on the first part of the statement that they latched onto, they didn't hear the rest and they actually say things that the person addressed. And they look at him and say, but I said that. No, you didn't. Weren't you listening? Of course I was listening. No, they weren't. You didn't stop. You were forming your response in Jesus' name. Learn to say, I'm going to shut it off. This is one of the things. Here's a little trick. This is what I do when I do counseling. I'm, I'm, I'm engaged, I'm listening. You can either, I don't do this, but you can do this, write things down. If you're, if you're having a conversation, an argument, say, I wanna write something down. I wanna hear what you're saying. I just wanna write something down. Write it down, then put the card down. And your spouse may say, well, you're taking notes? Yeah, because I, I, I wanna hear you. You work through that. Here's what I do when I'm, when I'm in counseling and there's something that someone says and I'm like, I, I wanna go back and, and touch on that, but I want to hear what they're saying. I, I, if you've ever done counseling with me, you might have seen this. thing. like, what in the world is he doing? I'll have my hand on my, on my thigh like that, and I'll just put one finger. And it's a reminder. There's that one thing I want to say. You know, there's two things. If I get past five, I'm in deep yogurt. Um, that means you talk too long. Um, no, but I'll just do that, and I'll kind of keep tapping it because it's reminding myself. I want to go back to that. But then, then I, 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 just, I just do that. And then I, I focus in. So find some way to do that. Stop 
And then the second part is listen, actually listen. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to their heart. Listen to why they're saying it. Not just so you can you know, give a counterpoint so you can win the argument, so you can win the debate, so you could be the victor and they could be the loser and you can vanquish them. Listen, listen to what they're saying. And not only listen to them, here's one, listen to yourself. Have you ever done that? In the middle of an argument, have you stopped and said, why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I, why am I saying this? Why won't I just disengage? How am I saying it? What's my body language? What, what, what is this communicating? Do you know the reason that we don't stop and listen is because we want to be heard instead of actually hearing? It's this phenomenal thing. Psychologists have actually studied it. And maybe you've seen this. You've seen two people arguing, or maybe it's been you, right? They start arguing. And, and if, if they're yellers especially, they're yelling at each other. And what do they do? You would think it would be the opposite. But this is what they do. As they're yelling, they get closer and closer to each other until they're right in each other's face. Now, it makes no sense. They're mad at each other. Why would you want to get closer to that person? You'd think, I'm yelling. I don't need to get closer. I don't even want to be near them. But instead of stepping away and yelling louder, we get closer and step louder. And psychologists have found it's because each person in that argument desperately wants to be heard. And so they yell over each other. And in essence, what they're saying is, would you just listen to me? Would you just listen to me? But instead, they yell all kind of foolishness. And if one of them would just say, I'm going to stop and listen, it would change the entire tenor of the argument. So stop and listen. It means seeking understanding. Here's what it says in Proverbs when we don't do that. A fool takes pleasure in try, in, uh, no pleasure in trying to understand. He only wants to express his own opinions. It's foolish, the Bible says, to not want to understand what it is the other person's trying to communicate, to simply desire to want to make your own point, your counterpoint, to win at all costs. That's foolish. It's not going to get you the result that you want. Seek to understand the other person. Stop and listen. So practically, what does that look like? I want to I give you something that would be easy to remember. So here it is. Restate and validate. They rhyme. I figured you could remember that. Restate and validate. Restate and validate. Restate and validate. Everyone say restate. Everyone say validate. Now you'll never forget. Um, no. Restate and validate. What I mean by that is when you are actively listening, when you stop to listen, you're trying to give them your, your, their, your full attention. After they've shared restate what they said in your own words. Restate it back to them. Okay, I, I really want to understand you. So let me just be clear. What you're saying is you'd like me home more. I, I want to I make sure I'm, I'm not mishearing what it is you're asking. You're asking me not to say those things any longer. Is that right? Now again, Stop and listen. Allow them to respond. Because you may find something that is eye-opening. So you stop, you, you restate it back, then you stop and listen. And they say, no, it's not about you being home more. You're actually home a lot. It's not about being home more. It's that when you're here, I want you present. I want you off the phone. I want you to not just be working on your crafts and your projects and, and whatever, doing things around the house and decorating, whatever it is. I want you here. I want us together. I want you present when you're home. It's, it's, 
It's not about saying those things. I know you're just being silly and you have a sense of humor, and I can laugh at those things, but it really hurts me and embarrasses me when you say those things in front of my family. So, so when they come for vacation, when they're here to visit, when they're over for dinner, please, that's, that's what I don't want. I don't care that you say those things when it's just the two of us. We can laugh. Oh, okay. And then validate their feelings. Validate their feelings. I can understand how that would make you feel like that. I never realized how much that would hurt. It, it never dawned on me that me doing that, that me saying that, that me whatever would have that kind of impact. I am so sorry. All of a sudden, the argument goes from trying to win the argument and be right to now I understand better who you are, which means instead of isolation, it brings resolution. It brings understanding. So stop and listen. The next thing is this. Weigh your words. Let everyone be Quick to listen, slow to speak. Weigh your words. Just because you think it doesn't mean you need to say it in the name of Jesus. Now, I just want to say as a a sidebar here, some of you, there are things you just need to say. Some of you have never said anything. Like you're having a discussion and argument. I've got nothing to say. In Jesus' name, learn to express some emotion. Just, Just, it will help. But just because you're feeling something doesn't mean you need to say it. You need to learn to weigh your words. So I want to share a great verse in the Bible. This is fantastic. I love this. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs. It says this, guard your words. Mind what you say. Weigh your words carefully. Why? Because once you say them, you can't take them back. It's one of the reasons that the Bible says you will give an account of every idle word you said. Well, I was just angry and I just threw it out there, right? You're sorry and you say sorry and you think everything's fine now because you said sorry. The problem is it's out there and the wound has happened. I didn't mean it. My emotions just got the best of me, right? But the words are out there. You can't take them back and you will give an account before God for them. And what does the rest of the Proverbs say? Mind what you say, weigh your words because it will keep you out of trouble. It will keep your marriage from getting worse and more difficult causing isolation in your marriage. It's a great verse. I don't recommend throwing it out to your spouse in the middle of an argument. Hey, you better watch what you say. It's going to keep you out of trouble, woman. Listen, bub, you better watch what you say. No, quote it to yourself. God, help me by your Holy Spirit to weigh my words because I don't want to say something that I regret saying later. So, Just like restate and validate, I want to give you two things that you can do that will help you to learn to weigh your words. Here you go. First of all, ask yourself, does what I want to say need to be said? And if it does need to be said, does it need to be said right now? So does what I want to say need to be said? Like you're in the middle of an argument. Do you really need to bring up her parents? What did they have to do with it? I can't believe we painted a house that color. Okay, but you're talking about the budget. You're arguing about money, and all of a sudden, it's like, you know, and I remember the time, and this happened, and does it need to be said? A lot of things that we want to say don't need to be said. We just like the sound of our own voice. So does it need to be said? Maybe it does need to be said. There are some things that need to be said. Does it need to be said now? So you're having a conversation. You're talking about something deep 
and, and spiritual. How do we raise our kids in a godly way? We both had different upbringings, different backgrounds, different experiences, but the Bible talks about raising up child in the way they should go, about shaping them and molding them into the man and woman of God that, they, that he desires for them, and, and how do we impart the spiritual truth of who God is, and that's really important, and you're having some intense discussion about it. You may even be fighting about it because of your different backgrounds and expectations. Okay. And maybe you need to talk about how they don't seem to value how hard you work and contribute to the home, whether it's at home, career, whatever it is. That might be a conversation you need to have. I guarantee you, you don't need to have it in the midst of talking about parenting your children. That's, a, that's an important conversation, but not now, later. Talk about the subject at hand. Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? Now, I just want to give you real quick some things that never, 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 never need to be said. And let me just say, by the way, to those of you who are dating, who are engaged, who are hoping to get married one day, all these things that we're talking about, if you will begin to practice now in that uh, aspect of your relationship, it will serve you so much better when you end up in a married relationship. These are all things you can begin to do now. Stop and listen. Weigh your words. But there are some things that you just never, ever, ever need to say. Here's one. Never call names. Now, I'm not talking about when things are good, when everyone's happy and you go, what is Gerald call Alma? Hey, sugar babe, uh, honey plum, something like that. Sweet cheeks. I don't know. Uh, no, I don't mean those kind of names. I mean, don't, don't call names. You're just this. You're, you're nothing but, you're a, that's not gonna help. Don't call names. Here's another one, never belittle. Never belittle. You know, you got no value in life. You've got no uh, drive. You, you don't even care about yourself. Look at the way you dress. It's belittling, not gonna help. Here's another one, never get historical. In the midst of an argument, don't say, now I remember back in 1999, that one time, okay, listen, that was like 24 years ago. Don't, don't bring up the past and don't ask historical questions. Yeah, when's the last time you ever? When's the last time you did that? When did I ever say that to you? What that does is that causes a person to feel that it's a debate, and they're going to start going through the Rolodex of their mind going, oh, I remember that time. I mean, it only happened once, but I remember it. I found it on the calendar. And now it becomes a debate instead of trying to find resolution and understanding. Here's another one. Never, never, never compare. Don't compare. Oh, baby, if you look like her, we wouldn't have these problems. If you, if you had hair like him, woo. Um, if you, if you had a job like him, if you provided like him, if you made money like her, if you had a job, if you don't compare and don't compare not just to other uh, people out there, don't compare even within your family. If you had a job like your brother, we wouldn't be in this mess. Oh, if you, if you were kind and nice like your sister, listen to me, you didn't marry the sister and you didn't marry the brother. You chose to marry him. You chose to marry her. If they're the village idiot, just remember, you choose them. You chose them. What does that make you? So don't compare. Here's another one. Never, never, never say always or never. What I, 
because it's rarely, if ever, true, right? So he said, you never do that. You always say that. It puts the person on the defensive because they're saying, well, I, I did do that. I, I remember that one time. I mean, I know I haven't told you I loved you in like 17 years, but I did once on our wedding day. So that counts for something. Instead, say things like, you know, I can't remember the last time. It seems like we rarely have time for each other. Don't say you never make time for me because I'll remember the one time they did make time for you and say, well, I won. You're wrong. You used an absolute and I proved you're wrong. So see ya. So don't do that. Here's another one. Never threaten. So there's two types of threatening, threatening I want to I touch on. One is never threaten physical violence. Never threaten physical violence. Certainly never perpetuate uh, physical violence, but never even threaten it. It's not okay. And listen to me, if I hear about the, if the leadership of this church hears that physical violence is being threatened, we will get involved because that's not okay. Oh, I was just venting. No, no, no. There's a lot of ways you can vent. Bubba, I got a punching bag on my house. You can come vent on a punching bag all you want, but if you threaten your wife, we're gonna have a problem. I'm not a big guy, but you know, I know big guys. Um, <laughs> no, don't threaten your wife. Wives, don't threaten your husbands. Don't threaten your husbands with that frying pan, and we all laugh, but listen, uh, it's sad to say, but there are wives who are physically abusive. Don't threaten. But also, don't threaten divorce. So I touched on this last week, and I know some of you have gone through the pain of divorce in your past. I know some of you may uh, sadly have to experience that in the future. I don't know what your futures hold, and I told you divorce is always a choice, and if that is part of your past or ends up being part of your future, God can uh, work through that, and good, you can have a good life. It is not the unpardonable sin. But don't threaten divorce. Divorce isn't meant to be a weapon. It's one thing to say in a conversation, if things don't change, I don't know if I can continue. That's being open and honest. It's another thing to say, if you bring that up again, I'm done. If you ever ask that again, if you ever say that again, I'm out of here. If you, if you don't stop saying this, I'm done. That's manipulation. It's control. It's trying to get them to back down. It's trying to make them feel insecure. And it's not okay. It's a threat. Don't threaten and here's the last one, and this is very important. Never quote me, okay? You're in the middle of an argument. Don't, so Pastor Justin said, no, 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 no. It's your fight. You got into it. You can get out of it. Leave me out of it. Here's what you can do, and I give you every right. Quote Pastor Dale. Quote Pastor Aaron. Quote Pastor Andy. But don't quote me. No, there are just some things when you're weighing your words, you never need to do. So let everyone, husbands and wives, let everyone be quick to listen. Let everyone be slow to speak and let everyone be slow to anger. In other words, control your temper. Anger is a natural emotion. We all feel it. It's, it's actually a healthy emotion. I never get angry. You're, 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 you're lying to yourself or you're un, very unhealthy. We all have anger, different levels of anger, different types of anger, different ways we respond to anger, but we all feel anger. Anger isn't a sin. Anger isn't the issue. We all feel angry. It's, it's important that we learn how to deal with anger, how to control our temper. It's necessary if you want to have healthy relationships, if you want to have a healthy life. 
It's something that you have to learn to do. Here's what it says in the book of Ephesians. Be angry, yet do not sin. It's okay to be angry. You're gonna feel anger, but you don't have to sin as a result. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, in the original language, the word and isn't there. So the idea is this, be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger because when you do, it gives the devil a foothold. So let me just say a couple things about this because this is profound. First of all, for some of you, if you would just grab a hold of this truth, it will revolutionize your marriage. That just because you feel angry at a moment doesn't mean you can't control your temper. And if you'll learn to do that, instead of lashing out, instead of saying things, instead of threatening, instead of belittling and demeaning and and name-calling, if you will control your temper, all of a sudden you will find a greater measure of moving towards and working towards understanding and resolution as opposed to tearing down and bringing isolation. So let let me say now... I know people have, have taught this, and I'm not saying they're wrong. I just want to give a different view on it, that it's, when it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, it means you can't go to bed angry. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm saying I, it might mean something different than that because there are times that you're going to go to bed angry. It, it, you're tired. You haven't processed what you're feeling. You, you need to stop and weigh your words, and you're not ready to deal with it yet. So I don't know if it necessarily means that you can't go to bed angry. That's the standard you want to hold, then then that's fine. But thinking like in in business terms or in governmental terms, right, if there's a policy out there and you say that policy is going to sunset on such and such a date, it's not because it's the end of the day and you're going to sleep. It's because at some point that policy has expired, So what the Bible's telling us is don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't allow your anger to produce sin that's undealt with, and then it sunsets, and now it's too late to deal with it. See, the sin isn't the anger. It's what you do with it. When you lash out, when you say wounding things and hurtful things, that becomes the sin. And so you sin against your spouse, and you say, I'm not going to deal with it. And you let the sun set on it. And then at some point, out of an act of, I don't know what you want to call it, you think it's being sincere, you just throw off a, hey, I'm sorry, I I shouldn't have said that. And you think everything is fine. But the sun sets on the sin of the anger. And your spouse has a wound. And that wound becomes an open sore. And that open sore ends up getting infected. And that infection leads to death. Because you've argued to win And it's led to isolation instead of arguing and fighting for understanding, which brings reconciliation, which brings resolution. So you have to work through those things. Don't just, okay, I hurt you, I wounded you, it's not a big deal. See, some of you, you say, you don't know what she's really like. She is mean as a hornet. Some of you are like, you don't know what he's really like. Some of the things he says, and listen, I I get that. I know that. And at some point you have to say, the pain and the wound that I'm experiencing isn't just because of what he said or she did today. It's because we have let the sun set on the sin produced by anger over years. And now we're here. So what do you do about that? How do you handle that? Well, what I'm gonna say ties back to what we talked about last week. When when sin 
is the result of anger. What you need to do is grab the hand of your two and never stop seeking the one together. Remember, we talked about last week, your spouse is meant to be the two in your life. God is always meant to be the one. So the two twos coming together to seek the one becoming one. Grab your spouse's hand. Say, I don't want to grab them. I'm mad at them. I get that. I've been there. I don't want to grab their hand. I'm still angry. Listen, my wife, after 29 years of marriage, she's been angry at me three times in the last week. Uh, (laughs) It's happened. But I'm telling you, if in the midst of that, you will say, okay, wounds, hurts have happened. We're angry, but here's what we're going to do. If nothing else, you grab the hand of your two and say, God, thank you that even in the midst of our arguing and fighting, you're here. And we're not ready to deal with things yet, but God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, would you lead us and guide us to that point where we are? And when we are ready to deal with the pain, would you lead us to understanding? All of a sudden, you're not arguing to win. All of a sudden, you're not arguing to hurt. And you're not letting the sun set on your anger. You are dealing with it in a way that allows the Holy Spirit to come in and lead and guide. Because if you'll do that, it will change the dynamic of your fighting. See, what we need to learn is this, that we need to be led by the Holy Spirit instead of our emotions. We need to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit, not react to our emotions. We're we're angry, we want to lash out. We're upset, we want to blame. We feel attacked, we want to defend ourselves and justify. But if we will say, I don't want to fight to win, I want to fight to understand, I want to be led not by my emotions, but by the Holy Spirit, he will lead us and guide us. See, our emotions will lead us to try to win at all costs. The Holy Spirit will lead us to be godly at all costs. And he'll lead us into things like the fruit of the Spirit, some of which are kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We can control those things so that in our fighting, we can find resolution. We can find understanding. Is it easy? No. And I'm, but I'm telling you, when we invite God's presence in, healing results. Now, I know some of you, you're... Some of you, you argue over things like, I don't like the way that uh, he orders at the restaurant. It makes no sense. Some of you, you know, argue over the way that she vacuums because the lines on the carpet aren't quite right or how they load the dishwasher or how they chew their food. Um, some of you argue over things and fight over things that, that are, are more at the surface level. Some of you are fighting over things that are deep. I, I get that. I understand. I mean, some of you are fighting over, like I have caught him looking at porn for the unteeth time and each time what he's looking at is more deranged and it's more depraved and it terrifies me the things that he wants to do in our sex life. Some of you are fighting over things like she is with somebody else and it's not the first somebody else, it's the third somebody else. And, and, and I don't know if we can make it. Some of you are fighting over trust that has been shattered, intimacy that has been destroyed, lies that have been told, and you don't even know where to start. I understand that. And and you're thinking, Pastor, fine. Tell me, weigh my words. Tell me to stop and listen. Tell me to 
and control my temper, all that's good, and let's grab hands and pray, and you think that's gonna make everything better? I don't think it's gonna make everything better, but I promise you this, when you together seek the God who can do the impossible, who, with whom all things are possible, his presence will come in and bring healing, but it also might mean that you need to seek a professional counseling, pastoral counseling. Come to me, come to Pastor Andy, the leadership here, We'll help you. If we can't help you, we'll connect you with professional counselors who can step in and give you focused, intense counseling because we believe in marriages and we want to see them healed and whole. But it might mean rolling up your sleeves and doing some hard, hard work. So what I want to do real quick is give you four warning signs. And I'm telling you, if you see any of these warning signs, it's telling you that up ahead, you're about to go off the edge of the cliff. The bridge is out and they're warning you. And if you see any of these, certainly if you see more than one, if you see any of these, please come talk to us. You need to talk to a counselor. Here they are. Consistent criticizing, just constantly criticizing everything about them. You just, just, there's nothing good that they can do. The way they talk, if they say up, you say down. If they say black, you say white. You're just criticizing everything they do. You never do what you say you're gonna do. You always make time for everybody else. You don't care about us. You don't care about me. You only care about yourself. Just constant criticizing. Ongoing contempt. You think about them, you roll your head. You feel sick to your stomach. You're just disgust. You're just disgusted by them. Just contempt. Everything they do. Everything they say, you don't see any redeeming quality about them. You may say, I care about them in some abstract way as a human being. I don't want anything bad to happen. But in our relationship, I can't see anything good in them. There's nothing good in me being married to this person. If you see either of those signs, get help. Here's the next one. You're overly defensive. I would be different, but they don't care. It's not my fault. It's their fault. I don't know why they want to say, I have any responsibility in this. I've done nothing. Listen to me. Nobody is 100% innocent. Remember what I said earlier, we all have sin. Overly defensive, right? Your spouse says, hey, can I look at your phone? Why, why don't you look at my phone? Don't you trust me? Why can't they look at your phone? You got nothing to hide. What's the problem? Well, they should just trust me. Have you been trustworthy? Always? Well, no, she just hasn't caught me yet. There you go. Last one, endless stonewalling. I'll get help when we'll talk to somebody when we can afford it. That is never an excuse here at Hickory Ridge. The church will cover the expense for your counseling, and if the church doesn't have it in the budget, even though we have a lot allocated for counseling, if for some reason we don't, I'll pay for it personally. There's no excuse to say, well, when we have the money, when we have the time, when God tells me that I need help. When your spouse is telling you you need help, let me tell you something. That's the voice of God speaking through your wife. I need to hear from God for myself. That's the voice of God speaking. We need help. We're, we're drowning here. God has to tell me. Get a clue. Um, I'm serious. If you see these things in your marriage, okay, any of these, please talk to me. Talk to Pastor Andy. Talk to the lead. We will help you find someone to give you focused, intense help in your marriage because we want your marriage to succeed. So what does all this mean? Stop and listen. Weigh your words. Control your temper. 
It means if you would imagine that you have two people on a battlefield. You got a husband on one side and a wife on the other. What we typically do is we fight each other. We are battling each other, trying to win. If I win, I'm the victor. The problem is, what are you winning? You're damaging the heart of your spouse. What you need to do is stop standing on opposite sides of the battlefield, fighting each other, and you need to step towards each other, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, and realize, let's fight together for our marriage. Let's fight together against our spiritual enemy. Let's fight together against the devil who's trying to bring a foothold in our marriage. In other words, you need to stop fighting to win and you need to start fighting for resolution. To say, I want to understand you. I want our marriage to be reflective of Christ's love for the church. I want our marriage to be life-giving and affirming. I want to have joy in our marriage. I want to have laughter. I want to have fullness. I want to serve each other. I want to sacrifice for each other. I want to care for each other. I want us to have a great marriage. And it's not going to happen if you're fighting to win. It's only going to happen if you fight for resolution, if you fight for understanding. When you fight to win, it will always, always, always bring isolation. But when you fight for resolution, it will bring understanding. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And God, I'm asking that you would speak to our hearts. I don't care right now, God, if someone's married, they're not married what relationship they're in. If they would say, I know in my relationships, my friends, my siblings, my parents, my children, my spouse, I've not always fought fair. Actually, the hallmark of my battle is to win at all costs. God, if that's the case, whatever type of relationship that you are bringing that and, and shining that light on, married couples, friends, would we acknowledge fighting our way isn't working? We may win the battle, but ultimately lose the war because we lose our marriage, we lose our friendship, we lose that person. God, we lose the ability to live the way you've asked us to live. So if that's you, here this morning, you say, I need to learn to fight fair. I need to fight fair more often. Whatever that relationship is, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you right now. God, for every hand that's raised, God, where forgiveness needs to flow, would you help us by your Holy Spirit? Where conversations need to happen, God, would you allow us to stop and listen first and to weigh our words carefully. God, where anger seems to be the hallmark of our words and our actions, our behaviors and our body language, God, would you by your Holy Spirit begin to teach us how to control our temper, our temper because we need to, we must, and we can, but not on our own, only by your help. God, help us to be those that fight together for understanding, that fight together for resolution, that fight together for reconciliation, and that fight together against the schemes of the enemy whose plot is to steal, kill, and destroy our marriages, our friendships, and our relationships. God, help us, because we need your help. 
We can look at the world around us and just see the vitriolic hate in which we engage even in what used to be civil discourse. Everything is antagonistic. Everything is adversarial. Everything is me against you, us against them. God, would our marriages not be me against you, but us fighting together for the marriage that you want. Help us, God. Now, as you continue to pray, there might be someone here this morning who would say, my life has been a battle. Everything, every day of my life, I feel like I'm fighting for every little scrap just to get by, just to survive. Everything's a battle in my life. What if I were to tell you, you can stop fighting today. The battle can be over if you'll simply surrender your life to God. If you'll lay down your life, stop fighting and trust God. See, God did something amazing. He sent his own son, Jesus, born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. And after he lived a perfect life, he fought the battle of all battles for you and for me. He was beaten, hung on a cross, shed his own blood, and he died. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And when he did, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated the works of the devil. All of a sudden, God says, you don't have to fight. I've already fought the battle. If you'll simply surrender your life to me, and for some of you, if you'll do that, you will experience a peace that passes understanding, a grace that God has available for you, his love that he wants to pour into your heart. And instead of a life marked by battle after battle after battle, you can find a life that's marked by a peace that passes understanding. If that's you this morning, you'd say, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my ways to his ways. Right where you are, would you just raise your hand? If you're joining us online, you could click a button that says, I give my life to Christ. If you want to raise your hand, I want to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Prayer of, of hope, prayer of salvation, prayer of repentance. If there's no one here this morning, then here's what I'm going to say. Maybe you're not ready, and that's fine. When we dismiss this morning, you would say, you know what, I, I want to learn a little bit more about that idea of surrendering my life. There are going to be prayer teams up here. They would love to talk to you about that, give you some understanding. So here's what I'm going to do as we get ready to close. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing a couple songs celebrate who God is. There are going to be prayer teams up here, and maybe you'd like prayer this morning about something we talked about, because you feel some conviction about, you know, I've not really fought fair in my relationships. They're going to be up here. They would love to pray with you and for you. Maybe you don't really want someone to pray with you, but you just want to spend some time with God. You can make your way forward. Just, just allow God to move in your heart and in your life. But if you'd like prayer this morning over anything we talked about, or maybe something else you need healing, you need financial provision, you just need understanding and wisdom, something going on in your life, you just need help and comfort and peace from the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, if you'd like prayer this morning, please come, let the prayer teams, the prayer partners pray with you. And if you'd like to just get in God's presence, just you and him, just know that you can make your way forward and just spend some time celebrating the God who fought all the battles for you.